broadcasting from Boss Hog Studios in Hazard County. It's Scott Romine with Guatney Unplugged. Actually, we're not coming from Hazard County. We're coming from Memphis today. We don't do many shows on the road, but we are over in Memphis at the Edge Motor Museum. It is a car museum in Memphis. It's been open for five years. We're talking with Richard Vining. He's the executive director. How are you? It's good to be here. Thank you for coming out here. We rarely get to do a show on the road, so this is exciting for us to come over and see something. You have an incredible collection of cars. You're not too far from the Bass Pro. You're just uh, <laughs> right across the river from us uh, yep. in Arkansas. What river is left? Yes, yes. that's we need, right. We need, we need some more water. Tell me how did how did you get into this whole car thing? Apparently, it, I mean it's in your blood. You I probably have, grew up with this. I have liked cars since I was a little kid, and and my dad was an engineer, uh, uh, a mechanical who switched to electronic. Um, he was always in the British and German stuff, and so I've grown up around him and his friends, always just being into cars, and it's just part of uh, what they would do with their free time and uh, what they enjoyed to do and talk about and. That sort of thing. Well, to keep one of those running, you got to be an engineer. Uh, you, you do. You notice we don't have a lot of that in here. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. Uh, and that's probably, you know, people go, well, how'd you get into this type of car? And I was like, well, there are a lot of answers for that. But if you really look deep inside yourself, it's probably because it was different than what my dad liked, but it's still the same sort of thing, cars. But uh, my mom uh, used to always keep cars in her purse. And I've since learned this as a parenting trick. Uh, you give them one for each hand. And that, I would always ask, can I have one for each hand? And, well, if you got a car in each hand, you're not grabbing anything else. And so uh, my favorite thing to do is we would go to the grocery store. Back then it was called Cecil's. And, yep. and they'd have that conveyor belt with your food on it and all that. And I would put the cars on there, and they would you know, weave around all the <laughs> carrots and broccoli and stuff. And that was a, a, a story when my mom always goes, hey, have, has he liked cars? So, yes. yes. Yeah. And he always had to have one for each hand. We did that trick raising my son. He's 20. We kept Hot Wheels, <laughs> little General Lee car, and yep. Roscoe's police car in her purse all the time. Mm -hmm. So did you lean one way or the other? Because we're sponsored by a Chevrolet dealership okay. and okay. a Buick GMC. And I'm a GM guy, but you're wearing a Ford Mustang shirt. <laughs> Are you into both, or was there one you were more heavier into or not? It, yes. It, we call this exhibit American Speed, and it is basically it, it's my favorite era of cars it is just peak mechanical engineering and i really really enjoy it and there was one moment that that i can tell the story now uh uh i was uh, i guess maybe middle schooler doing uh, uh after wrestling practice and my dad picks me up and he had he had a nice car you know 911 and it was cool it was quick oh, that's okay cool. and we're out on mount moriah and uh I'm, I'm hungry so we're getting something to eat and uh, uh up next to us comes one of the hottest things out there in the late 80s, a Mustang 5-liter. And he's revving his engine, and Dad just ignores him and just takes off and goes on. We see him at the next light, and he's revving his engine again. And my dad's going, all right, <laughs> you want to go? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I've, He's never done that with me in the car before. Uh, and he goes, okay, don't tell Mom. And we took off, and I saw what that car was capable of for the first time. And I was like, okay, I kind of get it. But what, you know, while the Mustang was in the back squealing tires and going sideways all over the place, he said, you see all that? That's just, it's just wasted power. And, and right. it's not finally engineered. Into I was like, Dad, you got down the road faster, but that guy won. 
<laughs> it looked he, cooler. That was cooler. And that is the moment it really goes, I kind of like this era of cars, just in, in this, this kind of genre of cars, just, I don't know, just speaks to me a little different. For me, it was the generally sailing over a river, <laughs> you know, or a pond or, or something, or Smokey and the Bandits mm-hmm. Trans Am. Yeah. Uh, of course, Bullet. Yeah, Bullet. You, you have some stuff similar to Bullet and John we do. Wick. And we run that scene here from time to time. Oh, good. Yeah, that, that's on that. We have a big video board uh, uh, as you come off the base of the ramp here at the museum. And we run that scene from time to time. It's a lot of fun. That's <laughs> and, awesome. And, you know, the, if you ever watch that scene closely, the fastest car in the race, believe it or not, is a Volkswagen bug because they have to pass that Volkswagen bug five different times. It's pretty quick. <laughs> And they have eight hubcap, uh, uh, yeah, on that eight char- hubcaps on it's, one yeah, charger. Seven or eight, char- seven or eight <laughs> hubcaps on that one charger. It's amazing. It is. It's amazing. You know, things that were to- that would be totally unacceptable in a modern Fast and Furious movie, but we were just oh, we're willing to better. overlook it back then. It it's is just still better. better. Yeah. Still better. Yeah. And All the way. Oh, of course they know it. So what led to establishing the Edge Motor Museum here? Well, a, a series of things. But what's most specific to answering your question is this is not at all when I was trying to figure out what to do uh, uh, next with this project. That I, this is not what I had in mind. And this is what happens when you listen to really intelligent people that are very good in their field uh, and, and are willing to understand, okay, their advice means a lot here. Mm-hmm. And, and whether it was a friend, whether it was an accountant, an attorney, uh, multiple lawyers, <laughs> uh, 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 we're a part of this, a good board of directors, folks who have these cars and care about them, listening to them is what guided this process here. Um, this was not Richard just going, hey, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, there was a little bit of that at first, and uh, I realized pretty quick, no, my idea is not what needs to happen here. It's all these other ideas put together. It is a nonprofit. That's intentional. Mm-hmm. And there's some benefits there for car owners putting their, their cars here. Uh, there's a significant estate component here where some of these cars are you know, in estates, and it's going to take a while for that to settle. They can be fractionally donated over time or all at once, and that helps out with larger estates sometimes. Um, uh, and then there's an insurance component where your insurance actually drops when you're in here. And we have a, a museum certificate from really? Haggerty. Really? Yeah. Uh, Sprinkler, I love Haggerty. Love Haggerty. Well, our board chair, um, uh, she is the biggest seller of Haggerty insurance here in Memphis. Translation, she's got the book of all the cars. <laughs> <laughs> she knows where she, the cars are. She knows what's in here. Yeah, she knows where they're parked. And so... Uh, uh, she's been extremely helpful as a chair here. Her name is Janice Holmes. Um, and I've known her for 30 plus years, uh, uh through other business things. The cool nature. thing is the, the size is right. Thank it's, you. It, it's not a huge, gigantic thing. It's, it's, it's kind of personable, you know, I yeah. mean, and you're up close to the cars. It's very cool. You can get, yes. And you can see it. the elevated perspective you get when yes. you walk in is pretty spectacular. Uh, 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 there was some thought originally to block all that off because you're giving away the exhibit for free. And I was like, no, no. There's Don't a, do it. There, yes, and it's in chronological order. And so you can just kind of visualize it. And from that elevated perspective, you see lines and curves and things you can't see when you're cruising at street height walking around. And so uh, that was the architect's idea. Let's open this thing up. Um, that's Again, that is that was a really, really good decision because folks come in just wanting to take a peek and oh, make sure you know they're buying tickets. And so uh, it's not huge. And we have a map right off the front. We need to go look at it because we change it out every year. The, sign, the, the staff here all autographs right. it. That's we cool. write the year on it. We write the attendance data on it. And we put it down in the break room. Um, uh, uh, this year's map is 
as good as it's ever been. Uh, but you look at it, and it's from people all over the planet. And I realize you don't have people from all over the planet necessarily coming to see the Edge Motor Museum. <laughs> They're in the neighborhood because of some of sure. the other amenities. Um, uh, and so, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, they'll go, yeah, we'll do that. But when you go look at our reviews, they go, wow, this was one of the coolest things we did when we came to town. And it fits in well with the other stuff they're doing. Well, like I would say Graceland is the only other car display I could think about <laughs> close to you. And that's all his personal cars. Uh, this is a, a dangerous topic, but I'm gonna, I'll go there anyway. Go there. All right. You see, we have billboards and bus stops all around town. Sure. There's one right across the street. It says, yeah. Memphis's only car museum. It says it right on there. <laughs> yeah. That's going to get me in trouble one day. Uh, <laughs> one of these days. Because, uh, you know, the, there are other car displays. I think you said it right. Right. Uh, 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 here in town. Uh, we're a car museum. Yeah, that that's, was just her, his personal collection of cars. It, 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 that, that's that's cr- without mentioning names. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, what, yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and they've been great. Uh, and folks love seeing both exhibits. Um, uh, and, you know, they're both curated very, very well. Um, those are extremely personal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, our cars are a little different in that they tell a chronological story. They also all run and drive. So That's cool. Cars aren't props. These things, can I know. test that out? Uh, we might be able to start something. Yeah, we can do that. We're coming to you from Memphis today. We're at the Edge Motor Museum. We're talking with Richard Vining. What's the website? www.edgemotormuseum.com. That'll also get you to uh, LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram. We do a little Twitter, mainly Instagram. That's at Edge Motor. But no, just go to edgemotormuseum.com. I got to wonder, what was this building years and years and years ago? And was this always the location you had in mind? Well, it was built in 1924. Been a little while. It's been a lot of things. But that's one of the coolest things about this place is that it was built as a as a car manufacturing plant, a thing called Cherokee Motors. Now, we learned all this uh, uh, because we had to do a phase three environmental just to <laughs> get financing secured to renovate the place. Uh, and we got a 900-page document. And, you know, it, it gave all kinds of less than interesting information, but also told you anything and everything that ever happened here. Uh, and so it started out as a car manufacturing plant from 1924 to 1929, Great Depression hit, and then nothing happened here. For Do a any while. exist? You we need one. Can't find one. You know, and it's also it was Cherokee Motors. Memphis didn't have any Cherokee Indians. We were Chickasaw, and so I can't really figure that out either. Uh, there are some old photos. Uh, the, the street names have changed multiple times. The orientation of the streets has changed. This building's been modified multiple times. But when you drive by us, you know the front of it kind of looks like a car dealership. All that glass and beautiful yeah. facade, but the factory is the lower level where we display the cars. That is neat. And all those old trolleys and things that you see up in the sky when you walk around, that's part of the exhibit. There's got to be one somewhere. There's got to You be. really should have one. We're try- I, a, a wheel, any a logo, anything, anything, anything. And we'd put that in a glass box in the lobby. I would really like to have something like that. Does the museum own all of these cars? How does that work? We don't own a single car. Well, we own one soapbox derby racer that was oh, donated okay. to us. But no, we do not own a single car. Everything here is on loan. And I like to say it's just like any other museum that doesn't own the paintings and the statues. Uh, 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 they're just on loan for a time. And so, you know, they come in, they rotate, and they're here for a variety of reasons. But no, we don't own them, and I really, really like that. And, you know, early on, it was, you know, the board and us and my buddies kind of hustling to get whatever we could to build an exhibit. But as our reputation has grown, 
uh, and the advantages of putting your, your, your piece on display here become more evident. Each car that comes in is just a little better than the previous one. And uh, anytime someone asks me, how's the exhibit? I go, it's the best it's ever been. And that, that, it's true. It is, I am astonished at the cars that are out here in the Memphis area uh, uh, that find their way to this museum. And people are just proud of them. They just want to display them. When you make an agreement to take one in on display, is there is there a set amount of time that you know you're going to have <laughs> yes. that car? How does that go? It, that, it, it starts off as one of the most awkward things. I bet. They got, yeah, because... You know, we have this riveting six-page legal document that talks about what's going to happen with the car. But you do set a time period. And we'll do as little as three months. Um, uh, we'll do as long as a year. It can be renewed. Uh, it's still their car. Sure. Uh, it's still their car. And so if they want to take it to a show or something like that, they give us a little notice so we can make sure it gets safely moved and things like that. And so, uh, yeah. But the car isn't, you know, a permanent resident and we don't own it. We also don't sell it. You know, that exists. That's, that's, not, that's not us. Yeah. We, we're not a consignment shop or anything like that. Uh, that business model already exists. It's great. So we're trying to do something something a little different here. And so it is a pure museum. Uh, cars are just here for a time, and then we rotate them out. We try to make a big deal of it when we get a new one that comes in uh, and make it a lot of fun. Richard, looking over what you have, to me, to my eye, it looks like a lot of your stuff is original stuff. Could you talk about a preserved car versus a restored car? Yeah. And do you have a little of both, or yeah. you lean one way? Our, our mission is, is preservation through historically-based presentation, okay? Um, hot riding is cool. I enjoy it. I've done a little bit of it myself. Um, I see with folks like Mike Abbott at, at Steel Rose and just the things that they make, and that's awesome. It However, is. we need some original examples to remain. And so we're really trying to encourage that with these cars, particularly as as they, you know, 60 years go by, 70 years go by, and folks just want to do something else, that's great. we got to leave some of these original examples because there's so much to be learned from the process of why we continue to improve on these things. So uh, our cars are, you know, some of them have just been well-maintained through the years, haven't even been restored. Um, others um, um, have been restored and are just amazing examples, but everything on the floor is about as close to as it was when it was designed and built as it could be. Sometimes our car will come in and have some minor things done to it, and we'll work with the owner uh, to get that car to be a little more original so that with, our, with integrity we can display mm -hmm. it and still say the things I just told you. Uh, uh, but, no, we want these cars to be original examples and appreciated for what they were because the struggles they presented mechanically or electronically uh, are what drove us to do better later on. And when you have a big curve like this that shows how these cars developed, I like to be able to show that off on the tour. So nothing is LS swapped. No, no LS swapped. <laughs> you know, up in the front lobby, we've got a tolerance to just do cool stuff. Sure. Okay. Uh, but down on that main floor, we're really clinging to that mission uh, of keeping these things original. No, um, I really like it when people do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen a lot of that with our new mural outside where people come and park whatever and take pictures and stuff like that. Um, uh, but the uh, 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 not on the main floor. We're not going to do that. Well, if you want the General Lee in the lobby, I might could make that happen. Make that happen. <laughs> Mike could make that happen. The original General mm -hmm. Lee. So, uh, how often does this stuff get started? Everything in here will start. And Every do the owners drive them? Are they are they something that's been in storage for years and then they sit here, or, or some of these cars are actually getting driven? Well, every car drove its way through that front door or that's through the garage. Cool. That's neat. Uh, uh, we will do whatever it is the owner wants us to do. Um, 
and and, and <laughs> sometimes that's a more detailed list than others. Uh, but it's everything from hey, just take care of our car. I know you guys know what you're doing. Take care of the car. Right. Others, no, there's a list. I want you to pick it up every two weeks. Turn those tires. Uh, uh, there's a couple of cars, same owner that we fire up and we take a little video of the dash to show that we got them up to 190 degrees and and uh, rev it up and just to get everything flowing and then send them the send them the video. Uh, uh, and so everything's got its own little regimen. Um, that's also a neat way to get to know the owner. Sure. You know, just because uh, we there are little tricks and things and quirks that, that, that we do uh, that we learned from generations before us or friends and things like that. And to see how, how they're not all the same. There's no standard way to take care. Folks know their cars in an intimate way that, that you know, I'm not going to get just through a document. Uh, uh, when we come in and write our names on some things. So that's important. Give me some examples. Like, what is, like, the most valuable car you've had displayed before? Okay. Uh, what do you mean by value? And Irreplaceable. It, it, irreplaceable. Okay. Um, there is a uh, Glasper G2. It's the first car in 1951. Uh, here, just for some stats. Just <laughs> It's 200 horsepower. got a Ford Y block in it. Uh, weighs, weighs 1,200 pounds. Oh, boy. Solid axle. You can't keep it on the ground. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, we, we haven't invented performance in the last 20 years is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, okay, I understand. This thing, yeah. this thing will go. Uh, uh, but it, uh, they made 100 of them, but 90 of them were sold as kits because, you know, guys after Not World assembled. War II yeah. knew how to put stuff together. For $755, you could buy this kit. But the other 10 were fully assembled at the factory, and we have number seven. And it's got a VIN number on it. It says seven. And it's That's down cool. there. Yeah. And there's only two of these things on display, the actual ones in the whole world. Uh, one of them's at the Smithsonian. The other one's right here in Memphis at the Edge Motor Museum. So That's really neat. British gentleman from Sykeston, Missouri. Uh, uh, and it's just, it, we're really honored to have that car. And here's the thing. I'd never even heard of it. I've never, I've never heard, heard of it. it. It's similar to a Whittle and I'd, a Wildfire, and I'd heard of that, uh, and I'd seen one of those before. Uh, but I was like, what is it again? And, and so I had to go do some research. You know, I work at a car museum. I'm director of a car museum. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and No. You should know. I, I, yeah, but that's when you realize this is a really big field, and there are gems out there. And so, you know, uh, part of why it's so valuable, it's incredibly rare. Um, but, you know, when you talk about value, some people just want to know money. And I would say some of the most significant cars we have are some of the ones that aren't worth as much. Um, uh, you know, we have a an AMX down there. That's one of my favorite cars on oh, display. Yeah. It's probably the least expensive thing we, we've had on display yeah. here. But it's a huge part of the story of American Speed that we're telling, and it needs to be down there. Uh, but no, it's not all that valuable. Now, as far as valuable, we've got a, a one of six uh, 1967 Shelby GT500s on the center turner down there. Saw that. Grabs your eye. Uh and it, it is absolutely spectacular in every way. Jimmy Kofer did it here in Memphis. He's really been a good friend of ours sourcing cars. You were talking about, you know, kids coming back from World War II and not building those kits and all that. What is the demographics of people that come into the museum? Are you seeing young people as interested in this stuff as maybe in the past? Or is that declined or bigger? Or I, I, I really got to wonder. You know, as a father of three kids, I would have thought before starting this project that kids aren't interested in cars anymore. Right. Uh, and that's not true. They, they are. 
and 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 particularly the history uh, of the car and why it is like it is now. Yes, there's a lot of folks that aren't as interested in the in the mechanics of it and things like that. And frankly, it's not all that fault their fault. The new cars, <laughs> yeah. are, you open the hood and there's another hood there, there's and you can't do see. anything without a you know a computer tool to plug into it. But uh, no, folks are the kids are interested in cars, and where I really see it. Uh, we do a monthly cars and coffee the second Saturday of each month. Oh, okay. And then once a year we do a car show the second Saturday of October, and it is huge. And our event, mainly because of our geography, is all cars and coffee are cool. Car shows are awesome. Ours is just different. Uh, because of our geography, we're pulling from from uh, North Mississippi. We're pulling folks over the bridge like yourself. Uh, uh, we're pulling cars from Midtown, downtown, way out east. It is just the most eclectic car show uh, uh, you're going to see. And I, I really, really enjoy seeing the range of vehicle that is brought here to, we call it the Edge Motor Fest, or just the cars and coffee each week. And so we don't really have a specific uh, 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 demographic of folks that come here. And I will say this, over a third of all ticket sales are, are foreign. Really? So, well, it, we're 600 feet from Sun Studio. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and so, you know, they go there, they come here, they park once, they see two things, you know, we're $10. Go to both. We're a $10 ticket, you know? And so, uh, and I have been really surprised at particularly Europeans, their knowledge of American sports car history. Uh, it's really good. It's really good. Oh, it, it, yeah. it has captured their imagination in a way that, you know, I, I would have had no idea uh, prior to starting a project like this. I can tell you just from my experience that, I went way off off into the Dukes of Hazard fan world, and it's as big over there as it ever was really? here. And to this day, and it's a car show. Yeah. You know, there are replicas of that car over there. People recognize. Them. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of yeah. The car culture is everywhere. I mean, I guess the young kids are the ones watching Fast and Furious, and they will never stop making those films. <laughs> no, apparently, they will not. Those. Uh, those are a huge hit at my house, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's one of those that doesn't matter. You can turn on the TV, and one of them will be on, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> right, that's right. right. Right, and so uh, one of our favorite projects there was we did the flow chart just to go. It's like, okay, what is this stuff in order? It's like, well, it's not exactly, but we made the flow chart of, of those movies in order to help mom out when she stops by the den to <laughs> hang out with us and watch. But yeah, uh, it, I've been very encouraged with the range of interest in – not just this genre of cars, but just cars in general. Oh, yeah, all of them. And you've got some cool displays. Like, I saw you have a thing about, I guess, tire technology. <laughs> How is it has expanded over the years? Underrated exhibit, yes. Uh, uh, because it starts with, you know, tires being all white. It's because we were using natural rubber. rubber that so comes, originally tires were all white. They were all white because rubber that comes out of a tree is all white. And and we had synthetic rubber, but it wasn't, it wasn't durable. And it couldn't handle the you know, belt, hose, tire stresses. Uh, and then some chemist figured out, you sprinkle carbon black in there and something called vulcanization happens and some science happens. And now you got a substance that's more durable than the, the original thing uh, uh, that comes out of a tree, but it was black. And people thought, no, tires are supposed to look white. And so we start <laughs> slapping white walls on there. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's how that happened. And then you see how, you know, tread patterns then tubeless and then synthetic fibers find their way in the engineering problems that happened when the polyglass oval came out because the contact patches were bigger and you're putting stresses on motor mounts and transmissions and transmissions that the car wasn't engineered to handle. Uh, and that's why you have things like T-tops and, and, and oh, tor yeah. torque boxes and stuff. And so just to see how that whole process happened 
you know, it's a neat looking display on its own, but when you get into it and actually engage with it or have one of our docents tell the quick story about it, you go, all right, that was unexpected. That was pretty neat. I remember my granddad talking about, and he's been gone 20 years, about how often you dealt with a flat tire <laughs> back in those days. I yeah. mean, you don't really hear about that now, not, no. not that often. We run old ads on the big board down there. In uh, uh, one of them, we have an entire like half hour of just tire ads. And you just see, wow, this was a problem. There was, it, my favorite Apparently, was, yeah. was the, the uh, Goodyear Double Eagle tire. It was, it was a tire inside of a tire. Uh, and some of these... Some what of these was ads, the idea? You couldn't puncture it? Well, no, you could get home. It was kind of... Oh, it was, like a it, run flat. Yeah, it was a run flat of the day. Uh, but you were done. You weren't fixing <laughs> after that. Uh, uh, and they didn't last real long. But, you know, technology was trying to keep up with the problem. Sure. Uh, and, and, yeah, it, it must have been a, a... It was just kind of part of, oh, I'm late, I'm... You know, got a flat tire. Got, got a flat tire, uh, and so uh, we there was a whole segment on that. And those ads, particularly like the the, the Goodyear ones, have zero shot being run on TV today. Oh no, uh, they're not politically correct. They are enough. not at all. Uh, <laughs> and but we run them here because we're a museum, and, and go, hey, this happened. This was here. Yeah, like the old Dodge Charger and Challenger uh, commercials. <laughs> uh, what was the guy's name? Buford and, and yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, we do, you know, the the iPad displays in front of each car. The the, the Hemi right. Challenger we have down there. Yeah, we've got one of those. It says uh, uh, the policeman has pulled her over and says uh, uh, the headline <laughs> of the ad is I've been watching you both and I think you're. I've been watching you, ma'am, and I think you're both mighty pretty. Is what it says yeah, on yeah, the ad. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, we say, hey, that's part of the car's history and culture. And rather than get upset or offended by that, uh, just just take it for what it is, something that happened in 1970, and go, all right, that that happened. And so what do I do with that? And so anyway, I like putting that on there. I, I like yeah. bristling feathers a little bit that way because it really causes you to think. You need, like, some old snap-on uh Calendars. <laughs> uh, that that one. Uh, oh, Dupont. Uh, that calendars. happened. That happened too. But uh, <laughs> as a father of three daughters and, and, a, and a happily married man, I don't know if I want to uh, put those oh. up in the library. Just you can yeah. get them on eBay. <laughs> How do I know that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's a lot available they're, on eBay. They're still yeah. out there. <laughs> so, what is your favorite car in this collection? And that's probably changed a few times. The correct answer, Scott, is the next one. The next the one. The next one. Yes. Anyone say, hey, well, what's your favorite car? The, the answer is always the next one. Um, you know, we always have a list of, of things that, you know, holes we'd like to fill to, to kind of tell the story more completely and say that we had that car. Um, I, I genuinely mean this one. When there's a car that I don't know much about, like that glass, right. but, um, uh, uh, or a car I had a low opinion of for whatever reason, just like, uh, it didn't really. And then you learn the story and the why behind it was the way it was, and an appreciation grows as a result, those are my favorite cars. You know, there, there's always the bucket list of things that you, you want to oh, have. Oh, sure. Uh, 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 you know, could I ever get a 51 Buick LeSabre or a 54 F88, you know, to put on that center turner? Uh, 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 the car I would want most is a 54 Pontiac Bonneville Special. I saw one of those at a car auction once and went, oh, my God. That is should have got that. I, well, I had no shot at getting it, but yes, that uh, even in '54, I don't think. Uh, we thought that '50 Mercury was a cool car. It's a cool car. It, you know, we used to Cobra. that era of cars. It was just an engineer and a designer dreaming stuff up, 
And today, it's an engineer, a designer, and an insurance guy <laughs> that design cars. And, and it really yes. hinders the design process in, in, most, in most cars, not all. Uh, but, you know, when you remove some of those other uh, standards that we have in place today, and, and you probably need, yeah. uh, uh, it does change the car a little bit. And so I really latch on to that early 50s uh, uh, to mid-50s just kind of style. The 50s cars, without the liability thoughts and all <laughs> that, let's just draw something really cool and make it. That's kind of where all that comes from, right? I guess the fins and all yeah. the, you know, all of that stuff. Modern cars and and Hollywood have that same problem in that they only want to do there's no risk, you know, so cars look so the same now. I mean, you could line up 50 models of silver crossovers <laughs> and the average person couldn't tell, tell the, difference. the difference. Yeah. It was not that way in the 50s and the 60s. They would actually take a risk and especially like those 60s muscle cars make something that was dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that in our, our, our kind of timeline, and it's a curve, kind of like a watch, the way it's laid out, you can see when things like the NTSB were invented in this country. You know, and it's, yes. it's, it's obvious things like seatbelts and headrests. Again, I'm not knocking those things. Those are things that probably needed to happen. Uh, but then it's bumper testing. And when a car had to survive a five-mile-an-hour bumper test, that just changed the front end of the car. And I know, you know, the, the Endura yeah. bumper came out and tried to make it cool. Remember but, the Countach's <laughs> had that stupid import but bumper? They awful. had It was awful. And the things they did, the, even like the Jaguar with the, 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 the bumperettes on the front. Yeah, that's just, not right. It was not. But it took designers a little while uh, and engineers to figure out, okay, how do we incorporate these restrictions and make it cool? And they, they kind of did. Uh, and I think technology and design would have kept up, but then you had the fuel crisis that just kind of interrupted this whole genre of cars for 20 years. Yeah, that's true. We just forgot about it. And so, uh, you know, restrictions you know, are usually there for a reason, uh, 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 but they do just impact the design and the performance of the car, generally not in a positive way initially. Uh, uh, but, you know, also during this timeline, there, there's more of us on the road, Um and the performance of the car was on an arc that uh, was ahead of our ability to drive them. Um, and so I kind of get the, 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 why they had to do the things they had to do. I think one of my favorite is where the, the, the regulation of you can't have more horsepower than cubic inches. And so, you know, that's a weird <laughs> way to do Why would you come it. up with that? Why would yeah. you come up with that? And, you know, my, my favorite, everyone kind of had their way of working around it. Dodge which is still their corporate oh, way. They, they, they just thumb their nose at the regulators. Yeah, I love that, it. And, and they would just, with a straight face, and they would actually print it, say, yeah, yeah, that, that, that 426 cubic inch Hemi, it's got 425 horsepower. <laughs> we're, we're, we're compliant. We're yeah. compliant. Yeah, we're not, yeah. Out of, we're not out of line here. They're still doing it. The demon has 1,000 horsepower. It is. It's part Corporate DNA is a real <laughs> yeah. thing, and they still... They still do it, but I, I always like how they just kind of thumb their nose at 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 those sort of things and said, "No, we're we're gonna we're gonna do what we do. You can make whatever rule you want." And, and yeah, I'm a GM guy, but to me, Dodge kind of owned that '68 to '72 era. They owned it. They did those cool colors, those oranges, Sublime, the Charger, the ah. Challengers. 
That is Jimmy. They owned that period. The cool colors. Those are in air quotes. All right. I had no idea because they are cool today. Purple. The 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 sassy frash green or yes or or, 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 uh, uh, panther pink and car companies were figuring out all kinds of clever ways to lower insurance payment. Now insurance was just a local office, and you could come up with an innovation, and they would find a way to say, yeah, that made sense. There wasn't some national matrix or whatever. And if you were willing to buy your car in one of those high-impact colors, it was a break on insurance. It was safer. It was safer because you're easier <laughs> to see on the road. Now, over time, it was obvious, okay, this has no impact on people getting into wrecks or racing or doing a quarter mile. Uh, but that was the thought behind it. And, really? And insurance companies bought it for a couple of years. And so what's neat is that I don't think we thought those colors were cool back then. Oh, they're um, really cool. But they're retro cool now. And that is that's you know, that is why you don't want to remove the history of anything, particularly a car. We do it today because there's this weird nostalgic pull, pull going, yeah, that purple is really, really cool. And think about it. It doesn't look good on any other car. Oh, it's got to be those cars. It looks good on those cars. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's part of the car's history. It's funny you say that. Kawasaki pulled the same thing with the Ninja in the 80s. They did. They sold an Interceptor, which was a Ninja, but the lower fairing you had to buy separate to put it on there and make it look right because it was sold as just a normal motorcycle for insurance purposes. I remember remember that. I have a brother-in-law that used to to have have those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, somehow he's still around today. Stuff's just cool. <laughs> oh yeah, just yeah. There's no such thing as an old ninja yeah, no. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> so you also have a display of radios. Talk about a technology has come a long way in a car. Where do some of these come from, and what's some of the most rare ones? Well, you know, uh, eBay again. Yeah, there you <laughs> and, go. And, and we're in my office here. There's one right behind it. You know, when people yeah. see this stuff, they go, "You know, I've got one of those." And, you know, my dad was proud of her. My grandfather was proud of it. And now it just sits in our garage and no one ever sees it. And, you know, I want people to be proud of it like he was. And so it finds its way here to the Edge Motor Museum. You know, and that's whether it's, you know, old magazines or old radios, radar detectors that we have here on display. It's kind of neat. But, you know, I have an appreciation for things like mechanical memory that they have on these radios. Um, I really like the whole Conrad nuclear defense system that we had going where you got those triangles on the radio dial yeah. from 53 to 63 that That's were connected wild. to the, we call them tornado towers today. They had nothing to do with tornadoes back then. It was our it way was to nuclear. Def- yeah, it was nuclear. Uh, and then to see the transition from vacuum tube to transistor and how that impacted daily life in a way that's, I would say, similar to the cell phone uh, today. Uh, you know, the, 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 the transistor found its way into everything. It made the radio lighter. It made it more durable. Um, there's no way we went to the moon without the transistor. That tube couldn't have done that. And so to see that in these cars and that that transition happen, it's really, really neat. There was a record player system for a car yeah, way back yeah. then. <laughs> There's one of those that comes to our cars and coffee. It's kind of neat. I think at late 70s, I believe GM had a factory radio with CB. With CB? Uh, I believe yeah. so, option. And, of course, CB, of course had like 20 channels when it started. You know, we have CBs everywhere here. Well, there's, sure. There's I one saw right one. There. There's one right under the desk. Yeah, the one under the desk. Breaker, breaker. But there's also one behind uh, behind me that's a modern unit in Bearcat because that's how we communicate from the office to the front desk to the, the yes. CB. We're, we're channel 13. I got them in the truck. And uh, yeah, we communicate. Just, it's a, 
Anyone could use the fancy phone system. I'd rather use the CB. <laughs> yeah, but don't you want to like do a voice when you get on? Oh, it's a sheriff, Scooby Coltrane. I do have a handle. I am fat guy in a little coat, that, and that's that's my <laughs> lost sheep to shepherd, lost sheep to shepherd. <laughs> it's uh, uh, and it's funny how you have to explain to particularly you know we get college kids working here. It's like okay, I've heard of this. What is it? And I go okay, it is. Twitter in 70s form. That's right. Where anonymous people can say whatever they want without fear of any repercussion. <laughs> that is, it, it is Twitter uh, yeah, it in is. 1970s form. Yeah. So. R- rubber duck, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Convoy. You mm-hmm. didn't play all that stuff. That's fun. You're I, I enjoy the heck out of mine in the truck still. So. Oh, man. If you drive yeah. down 78 or I-22 now, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Twitter. They still Twitter. use them. Yeah. CB is alive and well. Yeah. <laughs> Channel, was it 20 or 19? 19, 19 is the big is one. 19 is the yeah. big one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's still the big one. Oh, that's so much fun. So any cars coming up new that you, things you're expecting to come in in the next year? I, you know, the one that we have been elusive and we've been close to, I need a wing car in here. Oh, we, sure. Mopar has always been a little underrepresented in here. And folks get upset about it. You know, you know Mopar. I could folks. fix they get that. that way. I could fix and, this. And I, I go, you know, I, if you know one, get it to us. Because um, uh, it's a you know huge part of this story. We've got an epic one, you know, the, the 70 Hemi Challenger convertible. Right. But, uh, you know, that's not the only car they ever made. You need a charger. Uh, yes. And, and uh, you know, we had a Hemi Dart here for a while, which was just unbelievable. That's cool. Unbelievable. It was it, that, that, that car truly scared me and there are still you know when we drive cars in here there's still about a two foot long burnout in the um, uh, garage just and i said <laughs> shut it down this one we're pushing but you can't push it because it's all been acid dipped and it's sure it's tough uh, but i would like a wing car in here here one day as far as what's recently come we had the most beautifully restored 56 thunderbird i've ever seen down there on the floor it's been oh, here about cool. two weeks it's spectacular. I have to check uh, that out. You need to flip it over because it's it it is prettier underneath than it is up top. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about where you're at and the cost in the website for we've got about thirty seconds. Oh left. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're open every day. We're open every day, and everything you see on Google is correct. So if you forget this, okay. Uh, yeah, but we're open Monday through Friday, ten thirty to five. It's Saturday eleven to three. Sunday noon to four. Tickets are ten bucks. For adults, $5 for kids 12 and under. Uh, but we do have group rates uh, of $7 and $5, depending on how many people you bring in. If it's over 20 people, it's $5 a head. Uh, you don't have to have any scheduled time. You can walk up. we got free parking, so don't be worried about that. Come and see us. And you've got a great uh, mural to take a picture of your car. The uh, Hot Wheels mural is, is a, you know, I figured that'd be a hit. It's a bigger it's a hit. hit. It's a bigger hit than I would have thought. Uh, folks have really, really enjoyed that. Go take a picture in front of that. There's no charge for that. But then park, come inside, buy a ticket. We'd love to see you. I had to back my own car up there and take a picture before I even come in to it's do awesome. the interview. Got it, to do it. It, it is it's so is, cool. It is awesome. And there's some little gems in there that we kind of personalized it a little bit. But you do. You look like you're in a Hot Wheels box. Hey, thank you so much, Richard Vining. Go see these guys at the Edge Motor Museum in Memphis, right down the street from Sun Studios. Sun Records. Park Let's, once, see two things. <laughs> that's right. We'll see you guys next week on Guatney Unplugged. She couldn't let